All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, February 22nd of 2023, here getting toward the end of February. Uh, today is the last day of the NBA All-Star break, so basketball should be back tomorrow. Uh, so really looking forward to that myself. I'm sure plenty of you are as well. But uh, looking ahead, just what we got going on today, you know, we still got hockey. Uh, hockey is going strong. I know there are some huge hockey contest yesterday so for all of you uh playing in the hockey streets yesterday i hope you guys had a good day looks like we got a three game slate and then we also have a uh, pretty early start for the honda classic tomorrow for golf so uh you know if you guys are looking for some lineups to build uh maybe check out some golf classic golf is a fun sweat you get that four day sweat so uh you know plenty to talk about today for those of you who are new here welcome my name is andrew one of the coaches over here at SaberSim, this is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post questions live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. There is a link in the description below to join the Discord. And if you have been waiting for the All-Star break to sign up, to check us out, there is also a link to a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial. Check us out. Plenty of sports to play uh, over the next seven days, so give us a shot. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Come here, get your questions answered, ask anything you guys want, strategy, how-to. Uh, I am here to uh, help in any way I can. But that being said, going to get Saberson pulled up here. We do have uh, some questions to, to get us started today, some pretty good ones, too. I was reading through them before we jumped on, so thank, thank you to all of you guys asking questions throughout the day as they uh, kind of pop in your head here. So one question came in from Naj in um, as like a follow-up to a question that we were talking about yesterday. So I mentioned like Kelly Criterion and, and sports betting. We're talking a little bit about our prop plan and stuff. And uh, Naj had a good question here. And then uh, he said, how do you learn what you said about the percentage of each prop bet and the Kelly formula? So I provided Naj with like an article that I found online kind of uh, breaking down what the Kelly uh, criterion is, uh, talking about, you know, uh, it lays out the formula for you, kind of shows you how to use it, how to walk through it, and things like that. So that um, link to the article is in the Discord in a thread that Naj and I had. So if anybody's interested, doesn't know kind of where to start, wants to learn more about Kelly, uh, that is a great place to start. And, uh, you know, I would, I, would, I would highly recommend reading that article work and working through it and then a uh, another follow-up on the prop plan here Naj said with the prop plan do y'all do individual picks for the full six person flex play so um you know and i, I just kind of clarified uh what um our prop plan is so our prop plan is not based around prize picks specifically but rather prop sports betting markets users will use the picks that we post however um We'll, we'll use the picks that we post and play those picks, play those uh, stats or props on price picks as as well if they can find the same line. So a lot of times what happens is like, um, you know, the if you're on the pro plan, we have the pro channel, we do one free bet a day, let everybody kind of get in on the action and have a little fun, do a little teaser. And then for the prop plan subscribers, we do up to six bets per day. Depends on, you know, how many games are on the slate, uh, how many bets meet our uh, criteria to become a bet and uh from there you know we'll post six a lot of the times people will say like hey you know i saw you know 
uh, LeBron James points over is uh, up on price picks, right? And they'll look through the six bets. Um, uh, people have thrown around numbers, maybe like 60% of the lines that um, we post for the props are available on price picks, price picks specifically, but all of the bets that we post are usually widely available on sports betting markets. So, uh, you know, we're not posting it just to do price picks, but I know people will uh, parlay those into flex plays or power plays um, if if they can get enough of those bets available. So I just wanted to throw that out there for everybody and uh, kind of clarify what the prop plan is, uh, how to use it, but it is mostly for sports money markets, DK, FanDuel, MGM, uh, William Hill, Unibet, uh, you know, wherever you can get action down. Uh, the, we, we, we try to make sure that the lines are not stale and that the lines are widely available. All right. Good questions there about the prop plan. Um, Apple's had a question here and I'm, I'm going to do my best on this one. Kind of wide open this question says are custom filters limited. So, you know, my, my follow-up to that would be like limited to what? So if like Apple's, you know, you're here and you can clarify that, that would be great. But um, kind of, you know, off the bat, um, my, my gut answer is like, no. Uh, our, our custom filters are like really strong and you can upload custom data and even like that can be included in a custom filter. So that's what like really leads me to say that like no custom filters are not limited uh, because you have the ability to upload any custom data you want and include it as part of um, as part of your metric, right? So, so for instance, if I go to uh, add metric as a custom metric, uh, and then you click this first drop down. So these are all things that are available on the home screen. If you upload something, maybe it's like um, I, don't, I don't know what a I don't know what a good stat here is like for for hockey. But if we were talking like NBA. And, uh, you know, we're not showing like DVP in the app, uh, you know, like defense versus a position, but if that's something that matters to you, right. And that's something that like, um, you want to include in your custom metric, however, uh, way you could work that in. If you go to the home screen, you go to upload, uh, you, you know, upload a, a column or a CSV, and then you could go click a drop down and do add custom column. And then now it's going to say my column. You can rename it to whatever you want. Maybe I say, you know, DVP here. And then um, I'm going to hit save. When I hit save, that is going to create a new column on the home screen. And then that new column with the column header is going to be available in your custom metric build as a dropdown. So so my answer like is like it, it, would, it would show up right here under lineup saber score on the dropdown in the custom metric pop-up. So like to say custom metrics are limited, like I, I think the answer is probably no. You can upload any custom data you want and then you can include it in your custom metric. And, you know, whether that's like a value number, whether that is, you know, a rank of one to 500, that's what's so good about rank is that you could standardize a wide range of variables to all to include all of them in your metric. So, uh, you know, our custom filters limited. I'm going to, I'm going to say no. If, if there's a specific use case, um, that, that you had in mind, you know, just throw that out to me, apples, and, uh, we could talk about it and see how to incorporate that for you. Ty Daniel said, Ola, hello. How is it going? Glad you were able to catch the stream. If you have questions, throw them in the chat and I will be happy to get to them. All right. Next question here from simple chef. And, uh, this is a pretty good question. Simple Chef said, 
uh, very relevant to today. Newer to the golf side of DFS and seeing many lineups out of 150 with 2,500 plus left on the table. My instinct is similar to NHL and MLB. That variance is so high salary is variance is so high. Salary is not a big deal. And those leaving that much on the table are fine. Any of you having success, willing to share your knowledge, thanks in advance. Oh, yeah. So let's go over here. Let's hop over to golf. And, you know, they're teeing off at 6.50 a.m. Eastern. Uh, over here on the West Coast, that's about 3.50 a.m. So pretty pretty early start there. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about this. I think the best place to, do, to go is first go to build lineups and then just see what, like, the min salary is here. So min salary we have at about 47000 um, up to 50,000. So, you know, not so close to NFL, uh, showdown per se. Like when you're playing, um, NFL showdown, you know, this min salary is like as low as like 35,000. Um, but that's because one, the player pool is smaller. You're mostly just concerned about, you know, the single game simulations golf, not so much the case, especially when we have, when we have this big of a field here, you know, usually these fields, my guess is like somewhere in like the 150 golfer range, depending, you know, how many people have withdrawn and different things like that. So I wouldn't be so um, worried about duplication, especially in this format, you know, people might get close to the optimal, but they're not going to get um, exactly the, op- like you're not going to need the optimal to win a golf tournament, right? That is why we have ownership fade on. Uh, if we were worried that, you know, you're probably going to need the optimal ownership. They would probably be off uh, to not affect the Sims. So what happens when Sim diversity is on 10 is that we're taking single slate simulations and trying to build the optimal from there. Once you turn ownership fade on, you are applying an ownership fade multiplier to all of the golfers that essentially affects uh, their projection. So for high owned golfers, it like taxes them or hurts them. And then for low owned golfers, it gives them a boost to get more of them in your lineups. Right. So, so we're saying, yeah, yeah, we do want to sim it um, only one time, but we know we don't need the optimal. So we're okay. Applying an ownership fade metric here. I think that's also why the min salary is, is higher from NFL showdown, you know, at NFL showdown, um, depending on what teams are playing, the slate could be really wide open and you could have these like really low salary builds winning uh, tournaments. Uh, but not so much the case for golf, right? I think salary is still important here. Um, I, I would be okay playing any lineup within this range. Golf is still highly variant. You know, the highest owned golfer on any week can still miss the cut. Um, you know, I remember like, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, you know, Rom is like always chalk, right? But he was doing really bad on day two. And like, it was like 50-50 whether or not he was going to make the cut. And I think he ended up just like uh, killing the back nine and like, uh, shooting really well and then shot really well over the weekend. But, um, you know, there, there are plenty of times where like chalk fails in golf and, and high owned golfers miss a cut. So golf is definitely high variance. Um, I could see the, the need to have some salary gap here, but we are not diving, you know, way into the 45,000s, the 42,000s, the 40,000s, um, to, to, to get to these lineups. Right. The only time I could see, uh, the, the, the potential for like opening this up beyond this number would be on like a, a, a bad weather week where the weather is just going to be terrible. You know, you really don't know how, um, how golfers are going to do, how they're going to adjust. So I could see on like a pretty bad weather week, uh, potentially lowering this min salary to allow some of those different type of constructions. But 
that's kind of on like a week-to-week basis, something you got to uh, keep in mind and kind of adjust for. I think as a baseline, this 47000 salary is 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 good in my opinion. So I wouldn't be worried about lineups where they are leaving about 2500 salary on the table. I'd be I'd be more than comfortable playing those lineups. But really good question there, Simple Chef. All right, uh, let's see. Chase has a question here. And Chase said, what are things in the process that can be negative EV for lineups across all slate sizes? Okay, so good question here. What I will say is that, you know, I I do want to talk about that question, right? Um, Mostly because, you know, slate size does matter. And slate size probably matters a lot, right? So a two-game NBA slate is so different from a nine-game NBA slate, right? The the same way, like, uh, a a two-game MLB slate is probably a lot different from, like, a 10-game MLB slate. And I'm I'm using MLB as an example because we could kind of talk about, like, the stacking components of it. So, like, on a a 10-game... MLB slate, you know, MLB is highly correlated, kind of uh, a sport where chalk fails a lot, you know, highly variant. Uh, you, you're not going to need anywhere near the optimal on like a 10-game MLB slate. So what you're better off doing is, uh, and the builder will kind of tell you this, right, especially when we, when baseball season comes, you know, right around the corner, we're going to see the sliders uh, for baseball season. But on these, on these big, huge MLB slates, you're going to see, you know, really high correlation, sliders and then that is going to drop as slate size drops that that is because you know what the builders say is like hey baseball is like wide open you're not going to need an optimal you know in any way shape or form what you're better off doing is capitalizing on inter-team inter-team correlations and stacking um teams at a really high rate four stacks five stacks you know five twos five threes you know four fours things like that uh really capitalize on those correlations because you're not going to need um something that's like so close to optimal. But then when you get into these, you know, early, early uh, Thursday slates where it's like three games, four games, you know, um, the the correlation size is going to come down. Sim diversity is probably going to go up a little bit and your stack sizes are probably going to shrink. Right. So in in that scenario, you know, the slate is smaller. uh, You're going to need to get closer to that optimal and and you're not going to um, always need to just like bank hard on, on one team. Right. Um, it might be like a low scoring slate where, where you get like three guys, you do like a three, three, two, or like a, like a three, three or something like that. Right. So, you know, it, it's really, it's really hard to come up with heuristics that are good across all slates. I, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Like it is, it is really hard to say, you know, X thing is always good, no matter the slate size. Um, DFS is like a very nuanced game. And uh, a lot of things matter, right? And that's why when you hear a lot of people talk on DFS shows, they say, well, it depends, you know? Well, it depends. Like, like it really does matter, right? So um, to, to say that, you know, what is something that you can do, you know, on every slate is, is a pretty tough question. If I had to come up with something off the top of my head here, I would say for, um, you know, and, and, and well, one, you know, the other thing is like, it, it could be a little sports specific too here. Um, one thing I would say, you know, what are things in the process that can be negative EV for lineups across all slate sizes? I would say this probably comes down to like uh, a bankroll and risk management answer. 
like regardless of sport, you know, sport agnostic, uh, slate size agnostic, you know, what, what, you know, all those things aside, um, something that can be negative EV for like for your DFS game in general is probably assuming too much risk, uh, where your bankroll is a little overextended, right? So if you're going to be, you know, EV, EV goes way beyond lineups, right? EV goes beyond, you know, what is your EV in this sport? What is your EV, you know, um, in, 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 NBA versus like MLB, you know, are you better at one sport than another? What are your, you know, top 1% bucket finishing positions, your 0.1% bucket finishing positions, your 0.5, you know, are you doing something in one sport that you're not doing in another sport that, that gives you edge more edge in one sport versus another. Right. So like for me, I am a huge NBA research guy. Uh, I don't have like a detailed MLB research process that I feel is uh, unique and, and adds a lot of value to my process. Right. So, so for me, like I would say like, I'm a, I'm a probably a higher EV, um, like long-term EV NBA player at the moment, you know, considering that, uh, you know, the, the seasons change, the sports change year to year, right. Edges change, right. Edges adapt. So, so at the moment, I feel like I'm a positive EV NBA player. I, I feel like my EV is probably lower in MLB, right. Uh, golf's a great example. Golf is a basically no correlation sport aside from, tee times and weather edge and uh you know every golfer is is basically individual right so so golf is one is known as one of the lowest edge sports across dfs like one of the closest to being solved right like that's what that's what uh you know some some common um thoughts are across the industry i would say so one it depends on like the sport we're talking about two it depends on like slate size and all of those things matter but i would say you know Regardless of all of that, you know, how much risk you are assuming in the post build, are you diversifying? Are you using min uniques? Are you, um, you know, managing your exposure and your risk to specific players? One thing that I like to do specifically is I like to kind of equate my exposure to a dollar value. Like say you're playing um, the $1, 150 max, and you have a hundred percent of one player. So like, you essentially have $150 invested in that one asset. And like, are you okay with that? Because if that guy gets, that guy gets hurt, that guy has a bad game. Uh, that's probably going to hurt, you know, your entire portfolio of lineups. Right. So I would, assume, I would, I would, you can think of it that in that way where you are, you know, equating a uh, dollar value to an individual asset or a player. It's not like a perfect thing because you know, your lineup is, created of like multiple assets, each individual lineup. And then you have lineups that create your portfolio of lineups that you take with you into your contest, but it's a way of thinking about it. Right. So I would say managing your risk appropriate to how much bankroll you're playing. Maybe you do want to play 150 lineups with one player in all of them, but you know, how much bankroll are you playing on that night? Are you playing 5%? Are you playing 1%? Are you toning it down way, way more than less than 2.5% because you're assuming so much risk. So I think that, you know, there are aspects of um, contest selection and risk management that can help your long-term EV um, based on the type of player that you are. So that's my best shot at that, Chase. Let me know if uh, you have any more questions along those lines. And then a couple follow-up questions here from Chase as well. Happy to hit these. All right. 
Uh, question says, a Tencent single entry satellite with 10 people will have the same slider settings as a $250 single entry satellite with 10 people. Should I be changing the sliders as the higher dollar contest will be harder to win or not? Using SaberSim, I am, am I looking to change my process from low stakes to high stakes or do the same principles apply? Okay, I think this is a really, really good question here. So what I would say is that, you know, um, I'm, I'm just going to use an old slate for this one since uh, since we don't have projections up for tomorrow's game yet. So I'm going to go back to uh, last week just so we have some projections up here. That way we can move some sliders around and, and see what's going on. Uh, so so if you come into the build screen, right, you have style, you have entry limit, and you have entrance. But you did not have entry fee or, you know, um, dollar value or or something that kind of says like hey you know this is how much the entry is into my contest right and as as a at, you know as chase is pointing out here i think that's still really important right the way that a um i don't know a one dollar single entry is gonna play from a fifty dollar single entry from you know a hundred dollar single entry is is a lot different right and, you know, you could find contests that have similar, you know, the same entry limit with a similar number of entrants that are, you know, miles apart in, in entry fee, which is kind of what Chase is pointing out here. So I, I think it's pretty sharp to come in and look at the sliders and make adjustments for higher dollar contests. It's something I do usually, like I play a lot of satellites and I will have um, entries to some of these higher dollar contests, I think it's totally okay to come in here and adjust sliders. For me, what I am mostly doing is adjusting two things. One is sim diversity. Uh, these contests are sharper, so I'm probably going to need a higher score to take it down. Um, the field is going to be better. So I want to, I, I'm okay taking smaller buckets of sims to try and find high upside players that the field might not be on as much so one i'm okay with adjusting sim diversity here and i'm also okay with adjusting ownership fade uh reason being is that you know ownership is usually a lot better in in these higher dollar higher stakes contests uh not not i i think maybe better is the wrong word i would just say like closer to being like appropriate ownership uh you know all of these players in these contests uh are probably like late swapping and, and, and aren't missing swaps. So, you know, when somebody gets ruled out and, and you go and look at a low dollar contest, um, not as many people might not have swapped. The player might come in at like 20% owned, but you know, you go back to the higher stakes contest, that player might be 40% owned because the field is rostering that player at a more appropriate rate. Those players are paying attention and not letting that edge slip away. Right. So, I think that ownership fade becomes more important in these higher dollar contests just because the field is is better and knows uh, at what rate these players are closer to being optimal and at what uh, ownership is more appropriate, especially for that, that specific contest as well. So I think increasing ownership fade, increasing sim diversity makes sense in uh, when, when you are playing contests, excuse me, that are higher dollar, um, but, but the, but the entry limit and the number of entrants might not be taking that into account. So really good question there. And a uh, last question here from Chase. 
says, uh, since Sabre score can be looked at as a way to determine the ED of a lineup, is a Sabre score of 80, which may be on the low end in the pool, a negative ED lineup, or are all lineups in a pool positive EV and just some less than others? Okay, this is a really good question. So um, I'm just going to build some lineups here. That way we have some lineups to look at. And I'm just going to make two quick changes. And then we could talk a little bit about the Sabre scores here. But it's going to build 500 lineups. And uh, we can we can look at these. We can talk about these. So uh, just, just some like backstory. You know, on Sabre score, it sounds like you have a pretty good understanding. But Sabre score is always going to be standardized to 100 right it's going to analyze really is going to analyze the lineups built in this individual build standardize the top lineup to 100 and then go down from there right so i i would say that you know the way that i like to do this is i i do care about staying closer to the top of my pool because what what is happening is the lineups are getting built and then Saber Sim or Saber Score is going in and saying, okay, you know, move this line up, up, move this line up, down, move this line up, down, move this line up, up. And 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 that matters, right? Lineup grading matters. Um, that is a result of weighing correlation, ownership fade, and upside and the upside of these lineups together and coming up with, you know, the highest um EV lineups, right? The only thing is that the builder does not understand risk management, right? It is just jamming EV uh, at, at, at a super high rate, right? So if we go to like the top 10 lineups here, you know, we're going to see 10 lineups with Kobe White. Uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, nine lineups with Vujicic. And then we go to the pool. Uh, they're in about half of our lineups, right? So, you know, here they're in like uh, in our top 10, they're, they're almost in all of them. And then in the pool, they're in a, a lower amount, right? So once we start to apply diversification factors to to handle risk management such as mini neeks uh these these plays are going to come down right and you know they might be really good plays so they might not come down much but they are going to come down some right kobe white goes from 100 to 80 percent, so um not in two lineups vujicic goes from 90 to 70 percent, so two less lineups there as well so even with a uh diversification factor they're still really good plays but, you know, at least you are applying some type of metric to try and account, to try to do some risk management. And then you're still getting to plenty of the best plays here, right? So it 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 matters, you know, one, you know, let's go and see how far down in our pool we had to go. Um, even at Mini Neeks 4, which on DraftKings, that's about half of your lineup. We're only at lineup 52 out of 500. So that's still about the top 10% of your pool. I think this is like a great happy medium one half of your lineup is different from every other lineup in the pool. And then two, you know, you're still in like the top 10% of, you know, your, your EV pool. Right. So I think, you know, as you go down in lineup pool, what you were doing is you are trading EV for less variance. Right. And I think that's okay to an extent, right. I, I, I think that's a good trade off to make DFS is a really high variance game. And the swings can be really big, right? Especially if you're going all in on EV, right? Unless you bink, you know, that's going to be really high variance. Uh, I would also offset that with like some bankroll decisions as well. But but here, you know, half our lineup is um, different. We're still in the top 10% of our pool. We could, we could increase, you know, our diversification and go deeper into the pool. But now, you know, we're, we're pushing 300s, you know, let's, let's see what we, if we can get to six. Oh, no, we can't. 
So even even at five, you know, we can only get ten lineups that meet that metric. Uh, but but if we did, you know, let's say we we're getting like three lineups that are all, you know, four ninety one, four ninety five, four ninety nine. Like are are those, you know, three lineups that that you want to play? Like does is 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 giving up that much EV for diversification worth it? At that point, I'm not sure, right? We're at five mini uniques here. Um and we have we have 10 lineups. Kobe White's now in four of them. So, you know, he's now in less than half of the available lineups that we had uh, because so many lineups have gotten ruled out because he was probably in so many of them that they had the same combinations, right? So that that's like a trade-off you're making. Um, I think trying to find a middle point between diversification and, you know, lineup upside, lineup quality, lineup approximate ev is probably better than going all out on diversification i just um frankly i don't i don't love giving up that much ev i'm, I'm okay finding a happy medium but it but it really is on a player by player basis those are just some of my thoughts i know other users on the team have some different thoughts and 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 you know love the diversification factor um i think i think you know if you relate that to like nhl though where, where scott kind of talks about that uh nhl is like a totally different beast um, you know, if, if you guys like read the, the, the daily newsletter, the DFS daily newsletter, it's on Twitter. You can sign up for it. They do slate reviews every single day. Uh, they did one on NHL last night and it really shows you how high variance NHL is. Even like the top NHL players had like, um, you know, max entering all these contests and like really huge player pools and really spread out on exposures. So that just kind of, you know, NHL, there's so many players in the player pool that that kind of formula makes sense. It's it's different when you compare that to something like NBA, where it's less, which it's a less variant DFS sport. So, you know, all of that goes back to the conversation earlier where it depends on sport. It depends on, you know, slate size, it depends on all these different things. So um, try, try and handle it the best you can. These are just some of my thoughts on how I like to handle it. All right. Um, Scrolling down here, M Love has a question here. And for those of you uh, posting questions in the YouTube chat, we will get to all of the questions before the end of the show. Going to knock out these last couple here in Discord and then hop over. All right. Uh, question from M Love says, "What are the best practices for late swapping when working from multiple builds and using the entry editor?" Okay, this is a really good question. And um, let me see if I could demo this. Um, here, I'm just going to enter a couple of these free contests, uh, coming up here for MLB. One thing that, uh, we usually do is like when there's entry editor questions, I will just enter some of these free contests and, uh, do a demo. So I'm just going to enter two contests here really quickly. And it looks like there's like a big free entry contest on DK where they're giving away a bunch of cash prizes as well as uh, four-point play tickets. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so I just entered two contests for the upcoming slate tomorrow. I'm just going to use salaries uh, to, as projections for the moment here. So we can um, demo this. I'm just going to continue with salaries. And then that will populate. Going to go over the entry editor. Pull in this entries file for the entries that I just um, did here. So I have these two free contests over here on the right. Um, this is like pretty common practice. I would say working from multiple builds, especially if you're separating your contests into diversifiers and elevators, 
when, when I am separating my contests into diversifiers and elevators, I like to do two different swaps and then upload those together. So like, that's pretty common practice for me. Um, the way I handle this is that, you know, late swap will be toggled on automatically. Once the slate starts, I will just uncheck the contests in this contest dropdown over here and, or this contest page, and then, uh, go back to my settings, you know, maybe, maybe I'm doing my single entry swap. So I'm going to go, I'm going to set my, uh, settings that way the sliders change. And then I'm going to rebuild, you know, this contest or this set of contests. And then, uh, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm rebuilding it, uh, 10 times here. So then now what I'm going to do is I'm going to let this light swap load, and then I'm going to go, you know, make any adjustments I need to. Um, and then I'm going to hit this download new entries. When you hit this download new entries, one is going to download a file, but I'm not going to do anything with that file. I'm going to go back to this entries tab. And then basically once you click that green download new entries button, you are telling the builder that you are using this lineup. This is your lineup that you're going to upload. So the builder will automatically fill that in for you in the uh, entry editor. So we could see that, you know, the lineup that I just built, uh, fill method is late swap. So that lineup is applied here. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, run a new late swap here. And then this time I am going to uh, uncheck the contest I already late swap for or set of contests. This, this idea can be expanded. And then I'm going to check the other contests or set of contests that I'm swapping for. And maybe now these are my uh, diversifiers, my 150 maxes. You know, I'm going to change the settings. The sliders are going to update. And then now I'm going to run a new late swap for these lineups. And then I'm going to go kind of go through uh, the same exact process here. So lineups are going to build. I'm going to make my adjustments. I'm going to hit this download new entries. Now I'm going to go back to the entry editor. I'm going to make sure that all the contests here now say late swap. And then they will say uh, different times here. I'm going to check them all in. And then now I'm just going to do one big download on the entry editor. And then this new file will have all of the contests with the late swap lineups. And then I will upload that all together one time. So I think that's the best way for handling late swap um, when you are separating your contests into multiple builds. You know, you can do two builds, three builds, however many you want. Uh, go in, you know, do the late swaps. Just hit the download, never upload anything until you're ready to upload them all together at once. But really good question. I think we actually have a tutorial on that. I, I did a video kind of walking through that um, a, a couple weeks ago or, or a month or so ago. So if you go to help, take you to saversim.com forward slash support. And then you go to, um, I would go down to frequently asked questions. And then this will create like a, our open up our library. I would go to late swap and I want to see if I can find it here. Um, let's see if I can find it. It's Jordan. Go back to late swap. I know I did a video somewhere here kind of walking through it, but maybe, maybe I can't find it. Maybe, you know, if you guys are interested in uh, looking for that, I, I could, I could probably find it after the show and, and just let you guys know tomorrow um, if that's on here or not, but I'll, I'll, I'll look around for it. But I do think we have a tutorial kind of walking through how to do that specific uh, multi build late swap scenario. So I will make a note for myself here to try and find that. So fine. 
um, multi build late swap bid. And then I'll let you guys know about it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, last question in the discord here from Chuck, the pure Chuck said, Hey, Andrew, I remember Matt talking about adjusting sliders in the sliders deep dive pro video. This gave me the idea to use satellite default settings for yesterday's NHL slate, I got absolutely annihilated, but I wonder if using the aggressive sl satellite sliders for GPPs would be a good idea or not. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, so, my, um, you know, good question. My my thoughts are that one, you know, the slider settings for satellites are going to be more aggressive because in a satellite, you're really looking to, you know, place first to win that satellite ticket if it's one ticket or if it's like a mega qual where you can win multiple, you know, you still need to finish pretty high in the contest. You're not getting anything for finishing 20th percentile, 10th percentile, 5th percentile, most of the time in like that type of contest. So one, you are going to assume more risk. Those lineups are going to be higher upside, but also, you know, higher risk as well. Um, uh, a lot of the times <laughs> when I'm finishing like dead last in the satellite, I'm pretty happy with that. And then, you know, the next day I might finish first, right? So you kind of have to have that like all or nothing approach with some of these satellites, unfortunately. But but like, you know, consistently finishing in the in the top 10 and never winning a ticket is not going to get you anything, right? It's better to finish like first or last kind of Ricky Bobby mentality there for some of these satellites, right? So understand the risk that that comes with. And then um, do I think it's good for GPPs? For the most, for most of the time, no. But if you are somebody who is playing these super top-heavy GPPs, like um, maybe, you know, you're somebody who was playing the uh, 150 max in NASCAR tournament last weekend, the Millie Maker. So, like, it's literally a million to first. Total prize pool is, like, 2.25 million. Th that's almost 50% of the prize going to first. So, like... You know, is that closer to a GPP or is that closer to a satellite? Like for me, that's closer to a satellite, right? These crazy top heavy GPPs. Um, you know, maybe maybe you had a couple of tickets, right? I know Jordan won like 20 tickets to the NASCAR. Uh, Millie threw, you know, uh, lower dollar con lower dollar satellites. Uh, maybe you know if you if you're somebody who's going in with like 20 tickets, maybe you do want to build on satellite settings to just shoot for upside. You know that. Um, you know, you probably didn't pay the full amount in entry in entry fees, so your your investment is lower, and then you're trying to just shoot for max upside there. I think that's totally okay, right? So in in that scenario, um, I think that you know, depending on the payout structure of the contest, I would consider using satellite settings under certain circumstances. But if it's like a flatter, more standard GPP, I would probably just stick with the regular GPP settings. All right, that was our last question in Discord. Hopping over to the YouTube chat. Appreciate all of the questions today. Franklin said, what's up, Andrew? Did you ever find out, are they going to add the stroke skiing column to the golf app? This data is very important in golf. Thank you. Um, so, Franklin, I, I do not know if that is coming or not. I do take feature requests back to the team for the team to review, to put in the app. Um, I, frankly, I don't think we have any detailed stats golf at the moment um or, or actually yeah we do have some um but i will uh i can follow up i can always follow up and then i can always take it back to the team as a uh second mention so frank shots gain feature request so i will go and dig that up 
find it, uh, see where it's at in the queue, and uh, put another tick on it to let the team know that people are continuing to ask for that. All right. Uh, Pi Daniel said, any value in dropping salary to zero to allow for more variance? I think this is in relation to um, the, the the golf question that we were talking about earlier. So in, in the most extreme cases, yes, I can see value in doing that. I think that's an okay approach. I don't think you um, you have to, but, you know, in, in the worst weather weeks, I think it's okay. You know, even just, I want to do a test right here just to kind of show you guys this. Um, even in scenarios where you give the builder more flexibility, right? And you you allow the builder to uh, build a lineup where the bin salary is at zero. The builder is still going to do a really good job of not using like super low salaries and still playing salaries where the, or still playing lineups where the salaries are higher. The, you know, projected points are higher. The constructions are better. Um, we, we do this example with M- NBA a lot where we just, uh, get rid of any min default filter, allow the builder to put anybody in the lineup and then go and look at what the min projected players are. And then even then, you know, lower projected players are still not making it into the lineups at a really high frequency here. So, so in this test, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change, we turn min salary to zero. I'm going to sort by salary, but I'm going to sort by the inverse of the salary. So what this is going to do is that, it's going to do uh, like salary ascending where the lowest salary lineup in our pool of 500 lineups is shown first. And even in this example where we turned off min salary, our lowest salary lineup is 47,200, you know, for all the audio listeners who are not looking at the screen here. Uh, so, so even with a min salary of zero, it still built a lineup above the 47,000 salary uh, as the lowest salary lineup in our pool. So I think that's a great example of, you know, the builder really understands um, that, you know, it's not that salary is needed, but that, you know, uh, salary is directly correlated to projected points, right? And projected points are needed. um, and, And it's balancing all of these factors with ownership fade. So we're still getting plenty of high salary lineups regardless of the min salary being set to zero. So if you want to open it up to zero, I think that's fine. You know, the builder is still going to give you good lineups is, is the key takeaway there. All right. Adolfo said, how many uniques would you use for three max GPP PGA tournament? And what do you consider GPP? So, so, so GPP literally stands for guaranteed prize pool contest. So like if you were to go into the app, there's, you know, there's head-to-heads, which are like cash, which are cash games. Um, there are, you know, multipliers, which are closer to cash games. There are, you know, I would say anything that's like a tournament, you know, it's specified under like tournament. Um, those are basically your GPPs. And then there are also satellites, right? So tournament type contests are what we consider GPPs. Um, for a three max, right? Let's say I'm building a three max. Um you know, in, in the three max, right? Frankly, there are, you know, a hundred, we'll say 150 ish golfers in this pool. You're only playing six golfers per lineup. Right. And, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually just going to use this build that we already ran uh, to save time here. So builder is, is, is wigging out on me a little bit here. Not sure what I did. I probably messed something up. 
going to do a hard refresh here. Uh, anytime the builder's giving you issues, just do a control shift R or a command shift R. That'll kind of reset the, the app and uh, give it just like a good once over cl clear the cache and everything like that. So I'm going to use this build here. I'm just going to change my number of items to three. Uh, okay, so, so I haven't done anything to this build. And it is only using each golfer one time. So that means that we have 18 unique golfers here. So essentially, min uniques of one is, is the same as min uniques of six here. We're still going to get lineups one, two, three. This is kind of where I wanted to go with this. Uh, you know, you're, you're only playing three lineups and three max. There are, you know, 18 total golfers that you can use in your lineups. But there are, you know, 150 golfers in the entire tournament that you can use. I think it's totally okay to only use each golfer once even then you're still only playing about the top 15 percent of golfers or you're only playing 15 percent of players in the player pool right so if there's 150 golfers 10 percent of golfers would be 15 we're playing 18 so that's a little over 10 percent um i think it's totally okay to use many uniques of six and only play each golfer once and, and spread out as much as you want right another thing though like this week, there are not a lot of high salary golfers. There's only two golfers over 10,000 salary. So like maybe on a, on a week where, you know, uh, instead of some J it was John Rom and John Rom is the only high salary golfer. Maybe you do want to play Rom in all three lineups. Right. So like in a situation like that, you know, it can be slate dependent, but I think it's totally okay to get really, really wide and um diversify as much as possible so i'm i'm totally okay playing playing up to six unique players in a three max all right uh jumanji said angry rom not great for golf no no it is not all right patrick said unrelated i honestly thought about taking a break from dfs it's a grind playing every day seven days a week and 365 days a year playing a lot of sports hard to take a break when every day you're constantly learning and adding more tools to the arsenal uh yeah patrick i would say you know honestly i think that mixing in some breaks is is healthy ultimately uh it's good for life ev it's good for you know balance and and things like that i'm probably somebody who plays closer to five to six days a week i usually almost always take saturdays off i'm usually like doing family stuff you know i got the wife, I got the two-year-old, uh, we, 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 we go to the park, you know, we, we do whatever. So, um, you know, I think like for, for work-life balance, I think it's totally okay to work in some days off and be okay, you know, giving up some, some edge, you know, that you're grinding out and, uh, taking EV in, in other forms. So I think, you know, finding a schedule that works for you is, is really important. Um, but, but some people, you know, love, love the grind, right. But it can get a little tough, uh, you know, even think about this, you know, DraftKings is giving out all of these Onyx rewards and packages to the, the highest stakes players, the, the guys that are getting, you know, millions of dollars a year in action. Uh, and they're giving away like these big, you know, week long golf trips, golf trip to Pebble Beach and to St. Andrews and, you know, all of these different packages. And like uh, even even the guys with the highest stakes are, you know, taking that time off, taking that vacation because uh, it's probably one much needed. They're, they're grinding all these slates, all of the sites. And uh, two, you know, they're, they're okay giving up, you know, some some edge for, for you know, a week to get some life EV, get a reset, kind of um, take a break and, and let the mind relax. So I think finding opportunities to take breaks 
is ultimately uh, ultimately a good thing for your DFS process and, and you know, for your mindset, all of those things. All right. Uh, Jumanji said the all-star break is, is a, is a test. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's toward the end of all-star break. I, I get, you know, antsy, ready to play some DFS again, but it is a good reset. Uh, Petty Thep talked about this, you know, on the last episode of Lowell's. If you guys listen to Lowell's, it's a DFS podcast uh, with Brian Hooper and Peter Overzet, and they had um, Petty Theft on, t- um, and he's, you know, high stakes NBA DFS grinder, saying that he doesn't take days off during the NBA season, that this has been a huge reset for him, talking about possibly we're getting some breaks down the second half of the stretch here, uh, but who knows, but, you know, even even guys with the highest stakes are are feeling that strain and um, the relief is sometimes needed, but a lot of good, a lot of good conversation today, everybody. Uh, that is our last question in the YouTube chat. We just got through all the questions in the discord and now the YouTube chat. So appreciate everybody coming on. Looks like we had a pretty good audience today. I think everybody is kind of ready for NBA to be back, but still NHL to play, uh, go build some golf lineups, get a weekend sweat for the Honda classic. And uh, until tomorrow when NBA returns, I will see all of you. Take care and good luck. Bye.